God, we know that you go where you're wanted. And so we just say as your people today that we want you. And we want you in this place. We want you in our lives. We want you part of this thing that we're building together. We want you, even in these moments while we open your word together, we want you here. And so Holy Spirit, come and heal and correct and soothe and challenge all of the things that we brought in together today. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus spoke to the crowds once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Let me say that again. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I've been marinating on this passage for the last couple of weeks, even for the last couple of months when we broke up the teaching schedule for this series, and I knew this was going to be mine. I've been marinating on this passage for a few weeks now, and, and when that process of marinating and contemplating and carrying this passage around in my pocket and trying to figure out what it meant, when I started that process, my first question was this. Really, Jesus? Really, Jesus? If I follow you, I won't have to walk in darkness. Many of you have heard me say this before, and I will keep saying it. I have been following Jesus for two decades. Jesus has most often served to make my life more complicated, not less. While following Jesus, I have walked in the darkness frequently and often. While following Jesus, we have experienced miscarriage and infertility, doubt and despair. Really, Jesus? If I walk in darkness, if I follow you, I won't have to walk in darkness? At the, at the opening stages of our pregnancy with Keith, uh, Steph had some bleeding uh, off and on for, I don't know, most of the first trimester, it felt like, and it was super traumatic for us and very reminiscent of our miscarriages and we would be just going about our lives it often happened on Sundays we would just be going about our lives and then a switch would flip and we'd be plunged into darkness and into fear and to chaos I mean really Jesus if I follow you I won't have to walk in darkness I don't know about you but following Jesus seems to send me into the darkness on a regular basis while following Jesus, darkness comes crashing in often. So what does Jesus mean when he promises us that if we follow him, we will not have to walk in darkness, but have the light that leads to life? Turn with me to John 8, 12. John 8, starting in verse 12, and we will explore this together. John 8, 12. The Gospel of John 
is authored by, pop quiz, anybody? The Gospel of John authored by? Man, are you smart. Good job. John is a fisherman. John is one of the sons of Zebedee, one of the sons of thunder. John is the beloved disciple. In his biography of Jesus, John includes seven I am statements. Why seven? Because seven is the number of perfection and completion. It's as if Jesus is saying, here's everything that I want you to know about my deepest essence. Scholars call them the I am statements of Jesus. And in John 8, starting in verse 12, Jesus comes to his second I am statement. Jenna unpacked the first one, I am the bread of life. The second one is this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Let's just look through this passage a little further, starting in verse 13. The Pharisees, teachers of the law that were listening to Jesus, said, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect, because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. I think that's a sick burn, right? You don't have the authority to say this thing about yourself. You need another witness. Jesus says, well, actually, I have one. He's with me all the time. I am his, and he is mine. Verse 19, where is your father? We're going to talk about questions in a minute. Sometimes our questions are bad. This is a bad question. Where is your father? Verse 19, Jesus answered, verse 20, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Verse 20 says that Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. In John 8, 12, Jesus reveals, declares that he is the light of the world. But as the conversation continues, ironically, things get darker, not brighter. Jesus' divine identity is under question and so in some ways, this is not a bright and shining moment for Jesus. In John 8, we find Jesus teaching in the temple. He is teaching in the temple at a very specific time, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, if you recall back to last year, a thousand years ago, if you have toddlers, um, we preached on the, on the celebrations and we preached on the Feast of Booths. And we showed how Jesus in John 7:37 kind of centers himself in that feast. So just one chapter back in John 7:37, it says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, what we discovered as we unpacked the Feast of Booths was that by the time of Jesus, a water offering was a central part of the Feast of Booths, that a large container of water would be poured out in the center of the temple on the last day, on the climax of the festival. 
And in John 7, Jesus is standing there where they're dumping out the water and saying, I am that water, right? This water that represents your hopes and your need to be satisfied by God. In John 7, 37, Jesus says, that's about me. Now flip over to John 8. He's teaching in the temple and he's still teaching in the temple in the midst of the Feast of Booths. And there was another practice that was very common by Jesus' day at, in the Feast of Booths. In addition to this water being poured out, there were four lanterns or lamps. And not like lanterns, but like lanterns. Lanterns. That's, that's there on purpose. We'll get there in a minute. Um, four lanterns that would be lit at the end of the Feast of Booths. And these lanterns would light up the whole city of Jerusalem. In fact, everybody would turn off their lights and just let the light from the temple light up the city. And Jesus is standing where these things have been lit up, these four torches have been lit, and he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, this act of worship that you've been engaging in finds its meaning in me. It was about me all the time. Jesus is also making Old Testament promises about Israel being a light to the nation, something that was very visible in the Feast of Tabernacles in that moment. He's saying that's about me too. All of these hopes that you've had, all of this worship that you have been doing, it points back to me. He says, I am the light of the world. And of course, as Jesus is declaring himself to be the light of the world and the fulfillment of their worship and the fulfillment of their hopes, of course the Pharisees get their undies in a bunch. Of course, a debate ensues. And we'll get back to that debate in a moment. But for now, I still have my question. If I follow you, I won't have to walk in darkness. I mean, really, Jesus? What does it mean to have the light that leads to life? when we walk in so much darkness. Because your life gets dark, and so does mine. Sometimes that darkness catches us by surprise. Bad news, a cancer diagnosis, the sudden death of a friend or family member. Sometimes that darkness comes and decides to stick around. Depression and loneliness and anxiety. The scriptures acknowledge that darkness is a part of our lives and a part of our world. I mean, even Psalm 23, Psalm 23, like the best one, right? Says, I will be led through the valley of the shadow of death, right? The darkest valley. And yet Jesus promises, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What is the operative word? There's actually two of them. What is the first operative word in John 8, 12? The first operative word is because. You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. See, when you read it at first, you think, oh, following Jesus means it's just light and bright and happy all the time. But Jesus says the exact opposite. Jesus says, you'll be walking in darkness, but you won't be in total darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. He says, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. I have spent, listen, I have spent a great deal of time in my 10 years as a pastor teaching people that Jesus is not an easy button for life. I spent a great time, deal of time over the last decade reminding people that Jesus is not ibuprofen 
to be taken when life's aches and pains present themselves and then to be put back in the cupboard when we don't need it anymore. I have been trying to teach that following Jesus is not protection from suffering, is not the removal of darkness from our lives. Now, it's a very easy conclusion to come to. Jesus is ibuprofen and an easy button and here just to make my life easier. It's a very easy conclusion to come to if you pay absolutely no attention to the Bible and entirely too much attention to American Christianity as it's presented in social media. But it is an extremely difficult conclusion to come to if you read the scriptures and pay attention that we follow in the way of a master who suffered and died. It all comes down to that because you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus doesn't, doesn't, doesn't promise us protection from the darkness. Quite the opposite. Jesus tells us that the darkness will be a very real part of our lives. There will be a day when the darkness is chased away forever. There will be a day when we need neither sun nor moon to give us light because the glory of the Lord will light the way. But today is not that day. Instead of protecting us from the darkness totally, Jesus equips us to walk through the darkness confidently. Let me say that again. Instead of Jesus protecting us totally from the darkness, he instead equips us to walk through the darkness confidently because in the darkness we have him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We have the light that leads to life. The light that Jesus gives us leads the way. It leads through the darkness so that even as life gets dark, we find our way to life. So my first question, let's talk about questions for a minute. My first question was, really, Jesus? That question, as it turns out, was not the best question. And can I just throw out to you uh, that our first question rarely is the best question? The better question is this. What kind of light are you giving me? John 1 5 says this of the light. It says the light that shines and the, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, cannot, did not overcome it. The light that Jesus gives us, John says, cannot be overcome. It cannot be extinguished, even by the most painful suffering. It cannot even be it cannot be overcome even by the most painful depression. John 1 9 says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus, the light of the world, actually likes to spend a great deal of his time in dark places. He even eats with tax collectors and sinners, they said of him. See, the light of Jesus doesn't protect us from the darkness. In many, in many cases, it leads us further into the darkness so that we can bring light to dark places. As the debate in John 8 gets heated, in fact, most of John 8 is an argument about who Jesus is and isn't. 
As Jesus' identity is tested and tried from one angle or another, he finally says this in verses 31 and 32. He says, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's this translation called The Voice. It's from like the early 2000s, and it puts it this way. He says, If you hear my voice, if you hear my voice and abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and that truth will give you freedom. If you hear my voice and abide in my word, Jesus says that the light he gives us is the light of his word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Holden, this is where I might need some assistance. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Did you notice the kind of light that was described is a lot smaller than we wish it was? Let me, let me show you an example. Holden, if you would. You see, what we want is for Jesus' light to be a floodlight. I can see everything in here right now, right? You can't anymore because your retina are slowly burning away. <laughs> we want the light that Jesus gives us to show the beginning and the end and everything in between. We want the light that Jesus gives us to show the whole journey, to eliminate all questions, all anxieties, all wonders, all doubts. That's what we want. But what Jesus says and what Psalm 119 says is that he gives us a much smaller light, not even a flashlight, because at least a flashlight, the light is smaller, but it's steady. Instead, he gives us a lamp, which in Jesus' day and in David's day would be lit by a flame. Its flame flickers and moves. Its light is not always the most consistent. Sometimes it even makes the shadows bigger. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's going to show at best one, maybe two steps in front of you. And that's it. I will give you the light that leads to life means that we walk through the darkness knowing one, maybe two steps, three, if God is being especially gracious. You can turn on those lights for me, Holden. Jesus equips us to walk through the darkness with his word. And this is the part of the sermon that if you, like me, and you've been in church a long time, you kind of just glaze over because you know what I'm going to say, right? That knowing the scriptures is vital to walking through the darkness. That when the darkness comes and we can't see and we need something to grab onto, we treasure up God's word in our heart and we run to the Bible because it's the clearest and best thing that we have to guide us through. And I think the problem that we have with the scriptures is that it doesn't always feel very good. 
problem that we have with the scriptures is that what we read and what we experience are so vastly different, right? And so it is so much easier and simpler and far more convenient to interpret scripture through the light of our experience instead of our experience through the light of scripture. But that is what it means to walk by faith. Do you want to know what it means to walk by faith? It means here I am plunged in the darkness. I can barely tell up from down and I am going to hold an iron grip on what I believe to be true in this moment. Every day of Jack's pregnancy, I will look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right? We grab hold of these passages of scripture and we cling tight to them. I remember Ross saying to me, I think we were walking through our first or second miscarriage, they kind of blur together, just about how this is why we need to store up scripture ahead of time. Right? So that when the darkness gets especially deep, we actually have a light to hold on to. I've been, uh, if you're a parent, and even if you're not, we've been using slugs and bugs. <laughs> it's a Christian guy, he, and he sets words of scripture to music. Um, and I've been just singing these songs with Jack, and what, he doesn't, what Jack doesn't know, it's as much for me as it is for him. Right? See, Jesus is the light of the world. But that light does not eradicate the darkness. It does not eliminate the darkness. Instead, it equips you to walk through the darkness confidently, one step at a time. The light that leads us, the light that leads us through the most painful parts of our life, through our suffering and disappointment and grief, one step at a time. It's that light that leads us through our sorrow and our pain. It, it cannot be overcome, Jesus says. The light that leads us into the darkness to bind up to the broken, to set the prisoner free, it cannot be overcome. That light is given to those who follow him. That's the other operative word in this sentence. Did you catch that? I am the light of the world if you follow me. You will not walk in darkness, but have the light that leads to life. A few years ago, I, I received a phone call from a young man who grew up in one of the churches I pastored. And as he entered into his teenage years, uh, he was gone and out of the house by now, but even in his teenage years, it was very, very evident that he had very little spiritual interest and was not a disciple, and I'm not even sure he really had trusted in Jesus in a genuine way. He moved away, became successful in his own right, and then he found himself in trouble. The darkness came crashing in, it came suddenly, and he was flabbergasted. Because as he reached out to God, as he prayed, his situation didn't change instantly. Which was all that he could really remember from his Sunday school years, right? He'd learned as a child in Sunday school that God was for him and with him and wouldn't let bad things happen to him. And so he called me dismayed because after sending up a few prayers and positive vibes God's way, probably for the first time in a decade, God didn't come rocketing in to make everything better. You see, Jesus is not ibuprofen or an easy button. Now, I am entirely sure that God had compassion on this young man, that he loved him, that he was for him. I'm also pretty sure that the young man was asking for a floodlight, which was never going to be an option. 
I'm also sure that this young man in forfeiting Jesus and forfeiting following Jesus forfeited the grace that could have been his. And I tell you the story because there are some of you in the sound of my voice that are glad to believe in Jesus, but you're unsure about following him. You're glad to know about Jesus and be around Jesus. But Jesus does this really interesting and dare I even say exclusive thing in this passage. He says, I'm going to give the light that leads to life to those who follow me. Not to those who passingly think about me. Not to those who occasionally or even weekly go to church. He says, I'm going to give the light that leads to life to the people who wrap their lives around my words and my works and my ways. I'm going to give my light to those people who in every detail of their lives are trying to live their life as if I were living it. And I'm not saying that if you're just a casual believer in the room this morning that, or even a casual skeptic, that Jesus doesn't love you and care about you and think of you and want you to know him more deeply, to know him as he knows you. But I am saying that there are times when Jesus operates like Sam's Club, that there are only certain privileges given to the people who really belong. And while the privilege may not seem like much, a flickering light in the midst of the darkness, I have found that it is far preferable to total darkness. The darkness may be pressing in on all sides this morning. Hope may be hard to find. So I say to you, look for the light. Follow Jesus. You may find yourself drawn to the least, the last, and the lost. And in being drawn to them and administering to them, you may find that you often want to pull your hair out. Look for the light. Follow Jesus. As you follow Jesus, you will be led through the darkness or further in. Whatever the case may be, you will not be alone, for Jesus is the light of the world, and those who follow him will not walk in darkness, but have the light that leads to life. Amen.